And so today we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2. If you have a Bible, let's go there. And you know, I, I want to say this real quick. Um, Bibles, they're kind of, I don't know, if you, do you guys have one of these? Or, or do you just look at it on your phone? I'm just curious. Okay, one thing, just in case you're out there and you don't have a Bible, and it doesn't have to be this big, don't worry. Um, I have a big old Bible because my eyes are not that good. Um, but um, if you don't have one, let us know. We'll get you one. We'll put your name imprinted on it. You know, it's, it's, it's so important that we don't just read it on our phones. I mean, there's a place for that, I understand, especially you young people. But I, I pray that everybody has a Bible and uh, they would be studying the scriptures uh, in this because really this is the book of life. Uh, B-I-B-L-E in one sense. We might call it basic instructions before leaving earth, right? This is a love story. That's how much God loves you. I know you guys are hurting. I know you're going through things. This is our lamp in the darkness. And I know we need guidance because, you know, without the Lord guiding our lives, we're left to ourselves and we are lost. And so I pray we have this Bible. And if you're here today, just in case, and you're not a Christian, you know, you have, you don't know for sure whether or not if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven this is kind of what church is all about as part of it. We want you to know um, that you can have that assurance. The Bible says these things were written that you may know that you have eternal life. And so the simple gospel is that Jesus died for you on that cross. All the sins you ever did, past, present, future, were laid on him. He died for you. The punishment that we deserved, he paid for us. And then they put him in a grave and he rose again. You guys may have heard the third day. And what that does is it shows us that he defeated death. He gutted the grave. And so when you place your faith in Jesus, the moment you place your faith in Jesus, you will be forgiven. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We're not talking about religion. We're not talking about a church. We're not talking about rules. We're not talking about regulations. We're talking about Jesus. Do you believe in him? And have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? My prayer is that you guys have done that. If you're willing to do that today, just say, yes, I'm going to turn from my sins. I'm willing to let go of the drugs, the alcohol, the pornography, the sexual sin. I'm willing to let go, and I'm willing to let God be the leader of my life because it's then, my friend, and only then that you can go to heaven. And so we know that's what the church is all about, and if you're here today, you don't have to wait till the end of the service. Right here, right now, in your seat, in your heart, you can say, yes, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I believe you died and rose again. If you can do that in your heart right here, you can be saved. So that's part of what the church is, you know, we, we do every Sunday. We want to share that gospel with you. It's a free gift. But then also we want to encourage you, now that you're saved, to serve the Lord. You know, to serve the Lord. And so when you're a part of a church, that means you're a different part of the body. And we need the different parts to start serving. Unfortunately, a lot of times what happens is that people don't serve. They serve themselves. They don't serve the Lord. And so, you know, I know you, not all of you can probably get involved in church ministry, but some of you can. And some of you guys, it 
what, what time is it? It's time. It's time to start serving. You know, and I understand, well, some people are, are serving their family and there's different responsibilities and you're taking care of people. Or you might have another calling, another like ministry out there. I, I know there are people like that, but there are many, many in the church that don't serve. And my, my encouragement to you, today is the day because when you start serving, you're going to start growing. God will show you the, the divine details as far as how, how you can do it. But you've been going to too many Bible studies and not serving, especially some of you young people, you young single people. What in the world are you waiting for? Haven't you read 1 Corinthians chapter 7? You're single and you can serve the Lord. What does it say? Without distraction. And so I'm going to get you afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and you know, here's what, time, what happens sometimes. Sometimes people think, well, I'm not worthy to serve. Man, you don't realize I'm going through this, that, and the other, and I'm not able to serve because I don't have all the gifts and talents that so-and-so does. You've got to get past that. You will never be worthy, and you will never be able. But you are worthy to serve when the blood of Jesus washes away your sins. And as you take that step of faith, he will equip you in order to do works of ministry. And so I'm going to show you guys how to do this. The way that you sign up to get involved is you download, first of all, our church app. Okay, so um, we're actually going to show you a video how to do that. And so here's a little video. I think we have it. And I'm going to kind of walk you quickly. Okay, there's your phone. There's your phone. See right there, you tap on the church app. You just tap on that little button right there. And then you scroll up a little bit. See where it says church signups? Tap on that. Okay, and once you tap on that, it'll take you to a screen and there's different things you can sign up for. Right there where it says I'm interested in serving in ministry. You see that? You touch that thing right there. And then you fill out this ministry questionnaire. And it says right there, what ministry would you like to serve in? And even if you don't know which one it is, you're like, well, I'm not sure wherever there's a need. God might show you specific, you know, this is what I want to do. Type it in there. This is what you do. You take a step of faith, and God will blow your minds. He will. Okay? So I'll talk to you guys more about this as we go through our study today, because you're going to see it has a lot to do with serving, and it has a lot to do with sacrificial serving. And if you guys remember that, that line in Beauty and the Beast, it says, life is so unnerving for the servant who's not serving. You guys remember that? He's not whole without a soul to wait upon. I always tell people the privilege of the ministry is growth. And so I, my encouragement to you is to start serving. You get saved, but you're saved to serve. And so here we're going to see three individuals that we learn from, Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus. And we're going to learn from these guys, in one sense, they're samples of sacrificial service. Because I think sometimes we need that illustration. So look at verse 17, Philippians chapter 2, if you have your Bibles. Notice what Paul says. He says, yes. And if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. And so we pick it up right in the middle of the, the chapter, the book. Paul the Apostle is writing to the Philippians. 
it's a thank you letter. Thank you for the donation. He's also wanting to encourage them in, in victory. How many of you guys interested in victory? You guys want victory? Victory through unity, through humility, and maturity. And when we get united as a family, united as a flock, God's going to give us that victory. And so he tells us in verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He gives us the example of Christ who died for us on the cross, humbled himself to that point, that type of service, that type of sacrifice. And then Paul talks about himself in the sense that he's there in Rome. He is facing death. He has to stand before the emperor and he doesn't know if he's going to live or die. He kind of thinks he's going to live, but he's not sure. He might be executed. They might chop his head off. And that's what he says right there in verse 17. Yes, and if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, he says, this is what I said, if I die, I'm glad and I rejoice. I rejoice with you all. And as a matter of fact, here's what I want you to rejoice too. He basically says, I'm going to heaven, you guys. You know, and usually at funerals, we're sad. But he's saying, no, if I die, what's Paul going to be doing in heaven? Do you think he's going to be sad in heaven? No, he's going to be rejoicing, man. And he says, if I'm up there in heaven rejoicing, then shouldn't you be rejoicing too? And we were at a funeral last Saturday, and I know it's hard, and we're going to talk about the balance between these whole things. But, you know, we're, we're talking about this beautiful young man, Xavier, only 18 years old, and, and he passed. And so, you know, it's, it's a difficult thing, you know, talking about his life and, and just the, the music. And how many of you guys, we enjoy music, amen? And music is amazing. But what do you think the music will be like in heaven? Oh, man, that's where Xavier's enjoying right now, that music, because that's the maker of music right there. And then Xavier, he was very stylish, man. He had really good clothes, not like me, okay? I mean, this guy was a model. He was a model. And they said that he dressed fly or something like that. Is that the way you say it? I don't know. But imagine his clothing in heaven, Clothed, and I don't know the exact details, but I do know this, clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And there's just going on and on and on and on about the way he can breathe and the way that he can run and the way that he's able to see God. Now he's in heaven, and so he's saying, I'm, I'm rejoicing, Paul says, if I die, I'm rejoicing, and therefore if I'm rejoicing in heaven and you're down here on earth, I want you to rejoice as well. And to me, when I read this right here, it's just like, man, Lord, it's so cool. Lessons from Paul. Number one, living sacrifice. He was a living sacrifice. And then lesson number two is he was this that loving joy. I don't want you to be sad. I mean, how many of you here, think about it. If you were to die and you were able to look down on your funeral um, you, and no one was crying, would, would you be sad? You'd be like, man, nobody cried for me. Paul had so much love. He says, you know what? Um, you don't even have to do that. You can, the Methodists, back in the day, now, unfortunately, the Methodist church has gone, uh, some of them anyways, not the wrong way, but they used to be very, very upbeat at their funerals because they understood this. They understood this, that there's that rejoicing that's going on. And so here, Paul says, man, I, I, I'm this living sacrifice and there's this loving joy. And, and so Paul was not afraid to die. He, he wasn't afraid to be executed because he had already died. 
You know, and that's our life as a Christian. Isn't that what Jesus said in Luke 9, 23? If anyone wants to come after me, let him take up his cross daily. Cross, that's where people get crucified. Daily and follow me. That was the initial call for Christians. We are to die to self. That's why he said later in Galatians 2, 20, for I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That's why he said in Romans chapter 12, in verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You see, Christians, I think sometimes we get it wrong. We think, well, life is all about having fun and, you know, entertainment and all that kind of stuff. And don't get me wrong. You know, we, we can. I, I love the fact that the young adults are going to go play the arcade game in Pasadena. Have you guys ever been there? I'm old. Do any of you guys remember asteroids? I'm just curious. Some of you who are old, they have an asteroids game there. Space invaders, some of those old things. And so anyways, I'm all about having fun, but I have realized this. And the beautiful thing by the grace of God is I understood it from the beginning that God saved me to serve him. And I thank God for his grace in my life. And my wife, Shelly, myself, we have understood there are no days off. Our life is to serve God. Paul here was a living sacrifice. He was this guy with loving joy. And we are to glean from him. You know, the interesting thing, he says, he says, I'm, I'm a drink offering. And basically what a drink offering was is you would have the sacrifice there on the altar and it'd be burning. And imagine now going, I'm just pouring out some wine on it. And then it just kind of just goes up in smoke and, and it disappears. That's the libation. It's also called the libation, the drink offering. He says, that's all I am. I'm just like this drink offering. Boom, here. You guys are like kind of like the main thing. You Philippians, your faith, your service. And I'm this drink offering, and boom, I'm going to go up and disappear. So it's a very humble statement. And I think we learn a lot about sacrificial service from Paul. But then there are some people here, and you know, because I know you guys are thinkers, right? Some people are thinkers, and they know the whole story of Paul the Apostle. And if you don't, you can read it in Acts chapter 9. He was on his way to Damascus, and he was on his way to kill Christians, and then Jesus Christ appeared to him brighter than the sun and noonday. Jesus appeared to him. Now, some people say, well, if Jesus appeared to me, then I would serve the Lord like that. That's what they say. I've talked to people like that. And so what God does is says, okay, you, you're not satisfied with, with Paul. Let's talk now uh, about Timothy. And so Timothy now is our, our sample number two. Notice it says in verse 19, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. He wanted to know how the Philippians were doing. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character. I like that. That as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, Paul said, I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Now, I love the way that Jesus was the one calling the shots. It wasn't Paul. 
Look again at verse 19. He says, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you. And I've said it a million times. Here we go again. That, that really the, the part of being a good leader is simply being a good follower of Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, I, when the Lord says yes, I'm going to send T- Timothy to you. He was looking to the Lord to lead him and eventually send Timothy to the Philippian church in order just to check on them. Hey, how are you doing, man? How are you really doing? Because that's something I think that can only be done in person, in my opinion. And so Paul was hoping it would be soon, that he could be encouraged by finding out that they're doing okay. Now, none of us here have it all together. None of us here, you know, can say there are no trials going on in my life. But you can say I'm following God. And that's all that matters, right? And so that would have encouraged Paul. And then and you might wonder, well, why is he so interested in them? And the reason is because he loves them. He cares. That's how Christians are. You know, Paul mentions a couple of things about Timothy. And number one, Timothy's sincere care. And then number two, Timothy's proven character. You know, when we're talking about service, sacrificial service, samples of sacrificial service, we look and we see what what happened in Paul. We look, we see what happened in Timothy. These guys really cared. They really cared because God cares. You know, whatever it is that you're going through right now, he sees. He knows. Did you know that the Bible says that every single tear you will ever cry, he keeps it in a bottle. The God of the universe knows exactly what you're going through. Your way is not hidden from him. And even though you're going through hard times, and even though you're wondering when and why and all these things, listen, the Bible says that all things work together for good to those who love God. He's going to take that stumbling stone. He's going to turn it into a stepping stone. He's going to take the the test that you're going through, and he's going to turn it into a testimony. Things might look messy in life, but that one day will be a message because he cares for you. The Bible says that, 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. You know, Timothy cared. Paul cared. They were like-minded. It says there in verse 20, notice again, for I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. And that's one thing I've learned about church, and I've learned about life, and I've learned about people. They can tell if you really care. You know, the other day I was talking to this homeboy out there, man, tatted down, very thin, unfortunately, just on, on drugs, man, and my heart just went out to him. And, you know, to be honest, as I'm talking to him, I'm a little, I'm a little like, afraid, I'm scared. I'm like, this guy could beat me up like that, you know, and uh, he could just clock me real quick. But, you know, this is why we're here, and God will protect me, and if I die, it's a great way to go. I to think about stuff like that, but... You know, you care for this young man. I was there just crying. My tears are flowing for this young man. Where did that come from? It comes from God because God cares for him. I care for him. What was he like? He was a little boy at one time. We shouldn't be in this condition. God puts that inside of us, right? And we care for people. This is where Timothy was. Because God is the one that cares. They were like-minded. And as you read the book of Philippians, you realize this is a big word found 11 times in the four chapters. And we talked about this, you guys. It starts in the way you think. Don't, the devil will put bad thoughts in your mind. The devil will. Do not allow the liar to lead you. 
Those lies that the devil puts in your mind, suspicions, you name it. I mean, there you are, and you're talking about somebody behind their back. Why? Because you believe the lie. Stop it. You know, what we do is we take the thoughts and we bring them into captivity. The victory that we're talking about, grows, it comes from maturity, it comes from un- unity, and it comes from a Christ-like mentality. And Timothy was like-minded with Paul. They were like-minded. These were guys that sincerely cared. And we read it earlier, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And so Paul trusted Timothy to represent. He says, okay, and I'm going to send Timothy to you. And so Timothy had that testimony, 1 Corinthians 16.10. And if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear, for he does the work of the Lord as I also do. You know, sometimes I wonder, and I don't know if I'm going to say this the right way, but I see an individual going through a tough situation. I don't have time to address it, you know, because maybe I'm out of town or maybe there's something else going on. And so I could send Henry or I can send Mark or I can send Rich or I can send a number of people. And I don't have a, I don't even have, think twice about it because they're like-minded because they have the same heart. They're going to love them. They're going to give them the scriptures. You see, that's what Paul is talking about with Timothy. And there are many other people in the church that I'm so blessed they have the same mind. But if they don't have that, they can't represent. As a pastor, I can't just send anyone. I can't just have anyone teach. It has to be those who have proven themselves to be people of Christian character, sound doctrine, people who have taught and caught that, that, that philosophy of Calvary Chapel ministry. You know, and so this is what they have. Amos here, it says, uh, verse 3, chapter 3, the book of Amos, can two walk together unless they are agreed? If you can't walk together, then you can't work together. And so here he's talking about Timothy, who sincerely cared. We have to cultivate that heart. Verse 20, look at it again, if you would. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. And basically what he says right here is that people who care are extremely rare. And so hopefully we're a church and we're really cultivating that heart. That's one of the reasons, like I've told you guys a million times, I love Ryan Reese, is because I've seen him one-on-one with people and he really cares. On his way uh, in to speak, last time he came here to Car Chapel Almani, he stopped to get a coffee, uh, at, I don't know, not too far from here, and he ran into a homeless lady. And so the homeless lady was living in her, in her truck, and it was just a truck. It was stuffed with a whole bunch of stuff. And so Ryan just went up to her, started talking to her, gave her some money for food. Don't tell him I told you. Um, but anyways... Um, you know, he sends me a picture and he says, hey, there's this lady over here, you know, can you guys follow up on, on her? And it was just so cool because uh, I was talking to a couple of people and so it's a blessing. One of the sisters from the church goes over there and starts following up on her and starts ministering to her and praying for her. And then, you know, um, next thing you know, you know, take a book to her. And then next thing you know, next time she goes, and this lady has been homeless, living in her truck for we don't know how long an extended period of time. Next time she goes, a lady from this church, she finds out that that lady is no longer homeless. 
Now she's found a place. And how did that, how did that start? It started with someone like, like Ryan caring, and then someone then going from there and caring about these people. You might look at the homeless and you might think, well, there's no hope. They can't do it. It's just, is, that, is, there, are they, is it too hard for God? No. So these were guys that sincerely cared. But what we see today, and, and it's just tragic, there are a lot of people in the ministry who are aspiring to be ministers, but only for themselves. And so we have to check our hearts. Jeremiah asked Baruch in Jeremiah 45, verse 5, Do you seek great things for yourself? Seek them not. Not for us. Not for us, Lord, but for you. You know, Jesus talked about the two types of leaders. In the Gospel of John, chapter 10, in verse 11, he said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, and that's an individual who does what they do for the money. A hireling is he who is not the shepherd, but one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, and he splits. The wolf then catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he's just a hireling, and it says right there, and he does not care about the sheep. And this is what we see right here. And you see it on TV, these guys getting rich, and it makes me sick, and it makes someone like me, who is a very mellow fellow, want to go up and hit them in the face. (laughs) Cut off their heads. Oh, forgive me, Lord. But isn't it crazy how you got these people giving money to that guy over there, and he's got this, whatever, $11 million mansion, and he's got the $100,000 car, And he's saying, well, you can get rich if you just sow a seed. And is that what it's about, getting rich? Absolutely not. Not physically, not materially, not earthly, but spiritually. And so what you find, and here it is, when it comes to the ministry, you have to give your life. Hudson Taylor, who was the missionary to China, he called it an exchange life. Lord, I give you my life. This is probably what I would have done with my life, but I give it to you. And then what God does is he gives you his life. And his life is way better than your life. And so right here, you know, this is so cool. Timothy, this son in the faith, sincerely cared. A young man with proven character. And I love that. Character is who you really are. Character is who you are in the dark. Who you are when no one's watching. Who you are when you're scrolling on your phone. Who you are when you're watching on YouTube. No, character is who we are in our hearts. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, that when the Lord chose a king for Israel, he didn't look at the physical stature. Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I've refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Paul said, hey, I'll send Timothy as soon as I find out what's going to happen to me, you know. Um, and that also tells me something that's pretty interesting. And I, I believe this, that, that, that Paul and Timothy had this beautiful relationship. Isn't it cool? He said like a son. He was like this son. Ten years ago, he had picked up this young man, a second missionary journey. Timothy, half Jew, half Gentile, 
raised in the scriptures by his mom and his grandma, spoken well of. Paul then takes him by his side, and then Timothy doesn't just like, okay, we'll do this. No, he becomes a spiritual son to him. He becomes submissive to him. He's teachable, and Paul, uh, this, they, they develop this relationship like a son, and next thing you know, I mean, he becomes uh, a friend. To the point that now when Paul is facing death, he says, I need my son. I need him. I mean, you know, Timothy needed Paul. Yeah, everybody kind of thinking that. But you want to know something? Paul needed Timothy. And I I don't know if I'm going to live or die. But in the meantime, as my life is hanging in the balance, Timothy is going to kick it with me. He's going to stay with me. But then once I find out and if I'm, you know, um, set free from this, then I can send... uh, Timothy to you if I'm acquitted so that he can see how they're doing and check on them and somehow serve them. And then eventually Paul would be there as well. And so real quick, sacrificial service, samples of sacrificial service. Are you saved? Are you saved? Do you know for sure you're going to go to heaven if you die? Man, he's trying to scare me. No, I'm not. Bro. We just did a funeral. The guy was a young, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful young man. Was only 18. Do you think he thought this would be his last day? None of us knows. We don't have tomorrow guaranteed. Accept the Lord today. Don't leave without accepting the Lord. Be saved. And then serve. Start serving. What we find right here is Paul here is saying, you know, this is the way that these sacrificial service, you got, you got Paul, oh no, well Paul, you know, God appeared to him on the road to Damascus and if God did that to me, then I would serve. Oh, well Timothy, yeah, of course Timothy's going to serve because he had a mom who raised him in the scripture. He said, grandma raised him in the scripture. I bet you they're praying for him. I didn't have any of that. Do you know what, what kind of upbringing that I had? I mean, my parents... They were pagans. My parents were not believers. My parents were abusive. My parents weren't even there. And some people, they start making excuses. And then, so God says, okay, you, you're not satisfied with, with Paul. You're not satisfied with Timothy. Well, how about this other dude? His name is Epaphroditus. And his name means that he's devoted to Epaphrodite, which was in those days a pagan God of sexual sin. It was the, 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 the God for the prostitutes, the God for the sex slaves, the God who would even cause wars in Greek mythology. His parents were committed to demons. And they named him that, Epaphroditus. Well, listen, if, if this guy can serve the Lord, imagine what it was like for him growing up. Then you can. And we can. And let me say this. i got to say this. Young people, you're not too young. It's time. And old people, and I don't know what age that is. <laughs> listen, it, you're not too old. You're not. My prayer is that we would take that step of faith and watch God work. Look at Epaphroditus, verse 25. Yet yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. And we don't have time to go over everything, but if if you're willing to underline five words in this section, 
you'll get a little glimpse of, uh, of Epaphroditus. And then later on, when you go to King Thako, you can talk about these five things. Okay? 25. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, number one, my brother. Brother. It's huge. Do you have a brother? You got a good brother? You know what I'm talking about. A brother born for adversity. I was talking to this young guy, you know, involved in the neighborhood. And he was telling me how he's got this family. You know, he's got the, the hood and they're good to him. And, you know, yeah, it's a conversation. But yeah, I do know that there is a certain aspect of family in that. We need that here. Listen, my brothers, you're my brother. My sisters, we are family. That's Epaphroditus. Secondly, fellow worker, come on. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid your hands are going to get dirty? Are you afraid you're going to sweat a little bit? Are you afraid it's going to be inconvenient? I mean, look at this family right here. They got 17 kids. They serve in the nursery. And I'm just joking. They don't have 17. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. But, you know, Rich and Veronica, they have eight children. And you have no idea how much they toil for you. Why won't we work? Brother, fellow worker, Fellow soldier, stop fighting each other. Fight the devil. We are soldiers in a war, right? He says right here, but you're your messenger. And so as a messenger, all you do is speak what God tells you to speak. But you'll never be able to speak if you don't listen. What's God saying? Don't you have a personal relationship with God? He will put the words in your mouth for the people that are all around you that he has brought into your life. And you will be a messenger. What are you afraid to talk about Jesus at work? You're afraid to talk about Jesus with your family, your friends? Then why are you alive? Messenger. The one who ministered to my need. The word ministered is liturgia in the Greek, and it's, it's really a priestly service. It's really like I'm talking about here. There's different aspects of ministry, but it's talking about service in the church, in the church. You got to find out, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? We know that Epaphroditus, he brought the donation from the Philippians. It was an 800-mile journey. It was dangerous from Philippi to Rome, but he was willing to do that. And as a result of that, he got hit hard by the devil. It says in verse 26, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I sent him the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice. There's that word again. And I may be less sorrowful. So Paul said, Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem. Because for the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life to supply what was lacking. 
in your service toward me. Epaphroditus, you know, he was in ICU. He almost died. He wasn't just a couple of days. He was just there on a ventilator or whatever, long enough for the word to get back to the Philippians. And, and Paul said, thank God that he didn't die. And this is an interesting thing because earlier he said, okay, if I die, rejoice because I'll be rejoicing. But here he says, but if Epaphroditus would have died, I would have been sorrowful. And I would have been doubly sorrowful because you guys would have been sorrowful because this guy died. And so just to let you know, um, you know, when an individual dies, God knows the, the, the different parameters of emotions and how we grieve and we cry and there's an aspect of sorrow, but it's mingled with joy. So he's trying to say right there, right? But, but Epaphroditus, as he's there, he's a sample of sacrificial service, brother, worker, soldier, messenger, minister, And so Paul now sends him back so that when they saw him, they would rejoice. And I I don't know. I I don't know if you guys are catching this. We're almost done here. But let me just tell you this. Um, He wanted the people to be joyful. You know, he didn't want them to be like Eeyore, you know, and Winnie the Pooh. And I understand, and I don't want to be insensitive because I know some of you guys are going through like the deepest valleys. And I understand depression is real and anxiety is real and those thoughts of not wanting to live and just the struggles. And man, I I understand those are real. But if you would lift your eyes, the best that you can, lift your eyes to the power of the personal Holy Spirit. You lift your eyes and you really lock eyes with God. You're going to find Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. It says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And, and you go through it and you're like, Lord, I don't get it. I don't like it. But I know, Lord, you're working something beautiful even in this. And that's Paul here. Just you would rejoice. He's going to go back to you and you're going to be blessed. And I think Paul really liked that. I I love the fact that, you know, we're we're talking about, you know, everybody's equal and we're different parts of the body. The the ground is level at the foot of the cross. But I do want to touch on the fact that when he did go back, Paul says there in verse 29, hold such men in esteem. You know, because sometimes you, you see a spiritual leader and what ends up happening is you guys don't worship them. You know, we don't let, oh, that guy over there, he walks on water and, you know, you're afraid to be around him or something like that. No, we don't, we don't worship men. But then at the same time, we don't despise them. Some people are like, well, yeah, I'm not supposed to worship you. and You're just a guy just like me. You ain't nothing. And they spit on the pastor or whoever it is, the spiritual leader. And all I know in my life is I thank God for my pastor. I thank God for all these years of faithfulness, not flawless. No way. No one is. But faithful. And, and what you do is you hold men in, in esteem. There's a certain aspect of that. And not just your leaders. I mentioned to you earlier, 
my peers, you know, when I look around me and I see the people that God has surrounded me with, men who sincerely care, men of proven character, brother, workers, soldiers, ministers, messengers, truly, like the Bible says in Ephesians 4, gifts from Jesus himself. You know, I, I, I don't take that lightly. I don't despise them. You hold such men and women in esteem. There's something in that heart that just thank you, Jesus, for my wife. Thank you, God. Because we serve the Lord together. This is our life. This should be our life, serving the Lord. And that's what it says right there at the end. If you read the verse, he says, uh, verse 30, because for the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life. It wasn't putting himself first, putting the Lord first. Why? Because there was something that Paul needed. And there are some, there's something that that young man addicted to drugs, needs. We don't have it, but we're vessels. And we can, by God's grace, be used by him to pour into others. There are so many hurting people. And so we shouldn't have just 10% of the church serving. My prayer is that you guys would learn how to use the church app. (laughs) And you push that button, and then you push that button, and you push that button. And it's not just because we want to use you. Believe you me, it's not that. Oh, man, he just wants to use us. No. You're going to be blessed. You're going to grow. Watch what happens. And if you're not ready, something going on, that's okay. It's between you and the Lord, but maybe talk to one of us. Because I will say this. We have a church and pastors and people that sincerely care for you. We really do.